Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones, and we have tons to talk about here on the show today. Purdue football's dreams of a Big Ten West championship are still alive, but they will need to take care of Northwestern to keep that dream alive moving forward. We will preview Saturday's game at Ross Aid in depth per usual before answering a few of your Purdue football questions. Then, just next door to Ross Aid Stadium, Purdue basketball came back from a second half deficit to defeat Marquette in the Gavit games last night inside Mackey Arena. It was a lot of fun, it was a good atmosphere there. And I have plenty of thoughts from that game in addition to one very good basketball question to close us out. Excited for this one. It's a packed episode. Let's get into it real quick. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Boilers Beyond if you don't already. Again, this time of year, there's so much going on left and right. Be sure you follow there so that you get up to minute thoughts and news And subscribe to Boilers and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We're going to be here all winter long coming to you football news, football previews uh, for a bowl game, basketball news, analysis, everything. So you'll want to be sure that you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts uh, so that you don't miss anything along the road. All right, Saturday, another week, another game. It is crazy. I say this every week, but it is crazy how fast the season has gone. It's already week 12. Purdue only has two regular season games left. They'll take on Northwestern on Saturday. Noon Eastern time kickoff on FS1 for those of you watching at home. And look, Purdue is more than a two-touchdown favorite. I think I've seen that number mostly hovering around the 19 mark. As of late, with a total somewhere in the low to mid 40s. Uh, So, Purdue's a heavy favorite here. Very, very heavy favorite. And it's going to be cold. Uh, Looking at the weather forecast, you know, it's going to be one of the chillier games at Ross Aid Stadium that I can remember in a while. There have been some cold ones, but this one's going to be right up there. High is going to be around 30 degrees. But those wind chills are going to stay pretty low into the teens during the game. Going to be breezy. So uh, if you're coming to Ross-Aid Stadium, you're going to want to bundle up without a doubt. Bring plenty of warm clothing. Uh, It's going to be a chilly afternoon in Ross-Aid Stadium. And it will be the final time that fans are in Ross-Aid Stadium before renovations begin. Uh, They're going to get going on that here pretty soon. So... It'll be the last time of Ross Aid in its current configuration. So that will be that will be something for fans to take note of. Look, Purdue's bringing in Northwestern, and it's not been a good season for the Wildcats. It's really not been a good two years here. You know, you remember back to that 2020 COVID season. Northwestern won the Big Ten West that year, and they gave Justin Fields in Ohio State quite the game in Indianapolis in that Big Ten championship game. But other than that, the last four years have really not been good for Northwestern. They went 3-9 and nine back in 2019, 
struggled mightily in that. Then they had the nice year in 2020. Last season, they went 3-9. and nine. Again, really struggled. And now you're looking at Northwestern, you know, 10 games in, 1-9 and nine overall, 1-6 and six in the Big Ten. Just not a lot of good things to say about this season for the Wildcats. You know, they won that season opener. Uh, they won out, went over to Dublin, and they took down Nebraska. And at that time, I, you didn't know what to expect. You have one data point. But it was quickly evident that that win was far more about Nebraska than it was Northwestern. You know, they come home and they lose all three of their non-conference games. Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami, Ohio. Now, Duke is pretty decent this year, but Southern Illinois and Miami, Ohio, not good. Uh, It just, they haven't been good at all. Uh, They've been blown out of more games than they've been in of late. And, you know, I think it's hard for me to necessarily analyze the Northwestern program fully because I'm not all that close to it, but they're in a really tough spot in modern-day college football. You look at the two latest trends in college sports, the transfer portal, the anytime transfer, and name, image, and likeness. Neither of those favor Northwestern at all. You know, given the academic restrictions that Northwestern stuck operating with, it's really hard to go flip a roster in the transfer portal. You know, even schools in the Big Ten that are more academically focused, and I I would consider Purdue to be one of those, just the approach they take to sports, Purdue can still go out in the transfer portal and add pieces. Northwestern's not really able to do that. And as far as NIL goes, look, their alumni have money, but they don't care about winning. If Northwestern cared about winning, they they wouldn't be in this spot right now. Uh, They wouldn't be the historically bottom of the Big Ten athletic department that they've been. So it's a tough spot. Pat Fitzgerald is a heck of a coach. No one is doubting that. Uh, Everything he's done at Northwestern has been incredible. But you look at where that program is now, man, it's getting tough. And at Northwestern, it's really tough when you don't have a quarterback. This is an offense averaging just 15 points a game. And you look at the last four seasons of Northwestern, the one season they were good, They had good quarterback play when Peyton Ramsey was there. Other than that, it's been a rotating cast of not very good quarterbacks. You look at this year's group, and Ryan Holinsky began the season as their starter. Uh, He was around last year. They kind of had three guys play throughout last year. Holinsky was one of them. He looked good in that game against uh, Nebraska. And you thought, man, maybe he took a big step forward again. That was all about Nebraska. Uh, Things didn't go well for him from there on out. Brendan Sullivan came in. Uh, He was a pretty highly rated recruit. You know, one of the the more highly touted players Northwestern's brought in. And he started some games recently. Look, it's been up and down. He's a redshirt freshman. So you have to really be careful with expectations. There's been good. There's been bad. 
But last week in their game against Minnesota, both guys, Sullivan knocked out in the first half due to injury. In the second half, Holinsky was carted off the field. Uh, Northwestern ended up playing four quarterbacks in that game, and they weren't competitive. Put up a total of three points. That's not good. Uh, So where are they here? I'm recording this on Wednesday night. It sounds like there is no inclination as to who is going to play quarterback for Northwestern on Saturday. Uh, Maybe by the time you're listening to this, it's out there who's going to play. So I apologize. As I sit here right now, I think common logic would say if Holinsky was carted off last week, probably not going to play. I don't know what Sullivan did. Uh, Northwestern doesn't really release a whole lot about injuries, but I would think he's more likely to play. And if neither of them can go, then you're down to the third and fourth stringers. Um, You know, I don't know. I'm going to guess Sullivan plays, but, you know, again, I don't know enough about this injury situation to really comment. Northwestern wants to run the ball. They would like to run the ball as much as possible, and they have a nice little running back who can do it. They have Evan Hull. He's been around there for a while. Uh, he He was the lead rusher for Northwestern against Purdue last year. Look, he's not the most explosive, but he runs hard. He fights hard for extra yards. Uh, He's a really good receiving back out of the backfield. Very valuable there. He's a a good player. Uh, He's someone that, you know, Jeff Brom was asked about both on his radio show tonight and earlier in the press conference on Monday. Uh, And he had a lot of good things to say about Evan Hull. Purdue's going to make him a priority. You look at the number two back as well, and it's interesting. Cam Porter, uh, he's a name that you may be, you may remember. He led Northwestern in rushing in 2020 and then was hurt before the season last year, missed the entire season. He's been up and down this year. Production's been up and down. But, you know, for a number two running back, he's, he's good. Uh, Purdue will certainly monitor Northwestern's run game, and that's going to be what Purdue is focused on stopping. Purdue is absolutely going to try to make Northwestern's quarterbacks beat it. Uh, The numbers are in your favor if you can do that. They do have one receiver I like. I like Malik Washington. He's been around for a couple years now. And look, he's not not anything crazy, but he's solid. Uh, A shorter receiver, I think he's just 5'9", 5'10", but he can make a play. Besides him, it's a pretty rank-and-file group. Uh, you know, a lot of guys out there that are just a guy, uh, not ideal. Um, again, that's never been a place where Northwestern's really thrived in terms of talent, but uh, it's not a great receiver room. The one guy who, if you're an NFL draft fan, and I know there are many of them out there, keep an eye on Northwestern's left tackle, Peter Skaronsky. Uh, He's going to be a first rounder by all accounts, so... Keep an eye on him. See what Purdue does there. Uh, because of that, you know, I would expect Purdue to really look to bring pressure on the right side. Uh, you know, you'd like to bring it off the blind side, but 
I think Purdue's going to really try to get home off the right side, uh, avoid Skaronski a little bit just because of how strong he is there at left tackle. You know, defensively, when you look at Northwestern, they're not what they're used to being. Um, they just aren't aren't good at all. They allowed they're allowing 200 rushing yards per game, and it's so Northwestern like, so un-Northwestern like. Excuse me. It it's just not what that program has been. You know, you think of Pat Fitzgerald, a big thumping linebacker. Uh, that's not on this team this year. They don't have those downhill linebackers that are really making a ton of big plays. Just look at what happened last week. Minnesota only threw the ball 13 times last week. They ran it 58 times for over 300 yards. That That's almost unheard of, but that's what teams are able to do against Northwestern. And if you look at strictly yards per game, yeah, you know, you would think that Northwestern's pass defense is really good, but you look at yards per attempt and, you know, they're allowing seven yards per attempt. That's not, not great, not bad, but, you know, it really just indicates that against Northwestern teams are able to run the ball so much that they really don't have to throw the ball, uh, I think Purdue is absolutely going to do that. And, you know, Northwestern does have one good pass rusher. Uh, I really can't pronounce his name, Adebaware, something like that. Um, he's been around a while, four sacks on the year. Purdue will keep an eye on him. But this Northwestern defense, you know, when they have been at their best, they're better than this. And right now, you know, they're allowing 28 points a game. And with what their offense is doing, that simply isn't good enough. Looking at the injury report for Purdue, you know, we talked about this a little bit on the show on Sunday. You know, Purdue had two linebackers leave the game and not come back in Champaign. Talked about how their status would be key to monitor. Uh, Kyron Douglas, unlikely to play. That injury didn't look good. He picked off the pass after it hit Lawrence Johnson's face mask, popped in the air. Douglas picked it off, uh, but that injury didn't look good. I hope it wasn't his final play. I have a bad feeling it was. We'll see if he can get back for Indiana. We'll see if he tries to make it back for a bowl game. And then Clyde Washington, uh, he got hurt earlier on in the game. Jeff Brom said he'll be out for a while. You know, you don't get a lot of clear answers about injuries with Purdue. Out for a while is code for we may not see him again this year. So uh, not great there. You know, that makes that inside linebacker situation awfully thin. You're going to see OC Brothers. You're going to see Jacob Wahlberg. Those will be your two starting guys on the inside. Of course, Jalen Graham is out there as well. And then, uh, you know, if they need to uh, need to get back, you know, into the second, third unit, you've got Samisi Fakasiaki there playing his last game at Ross Aid. Ben Kryle, Yanni Karlaftis, maybe. Uh, you know, he just moved inside linebacker a few weeks ago, I think, but. Maybe he's that guy. 
Branson Dean got hurt, came back into the game. Jeff Brom said he would be a later in the week decision. My hunch is going to be that he plays his final game in Ross Aid Stadium. I bet he gets out there if he can. Looking at this one, Purdue Northwestern. Purdue massively favored. Three keys to the game for Purdue to get a win. Look, Purdue needs to come out strong here. Uh, and they haven't been a fast starting team at all this year. Even last week, you know, Purdue did move the ball a little bit, but they didn't get any points early on. That's not ideal, but if you look at this game and if you can get out to an early lead, you're playing a team that's lost nine games in a row. It's going to be freezing. Uh, they're away from home. If you can get up, you know, get up 10 nothing, get up 14 nothing, you know, get up 14 3. How much want to is Northwestern going to have? I'm not saying that Pat Fitzgerald doesn't have his guys ready to play. He, of course, will, but it's natural. When you're freezing on that sideline and you have to take that parka off to go out there and play, man, it's not going to be ideal. If Purdue can come out strong and get an early advantage, I think you're in a really good spot. Number two, I think the turnover battle is really important here. At times, that's really gotten Purdue. And even though Northwestern's defense isn't what it typically is, you know, it's not one that you can just completely not show up against. If you make careless decisions with the ball and you put the ball in harm's way, they'll take it. Uh, this is still, you know, this is still the Big Ten. Aiden O'Connell's been a little turnover prone at times this year. His 11 interceptions lead the Big Ten. He needs to avoid those on Saturday, and I think Purdue will be in good shape. On the other side, you'd love to see Purdue force some turnovers. They haven't been very good at that this year, but who knows what Northwestern's going to do at quarterback. I have no idea. Regardless of who is back there, it's someone who can probably throw some interceptions. So see what you can do. See if one of your senior defensive backs can go out there and make a play. You win that turnover battle, you're going to win the game. And then number three, you know, Gus Hartwig had his hat on after the Cannon game saying run the damn ball. Look, you have to make Northwestern stop the run. I know that Purdue likes to throw the ball as they should, and they can be pretty good at it. But this is going to be a game played in 30 degrees. It's going to be breezy. Northwestern's run defense is not very good. Statistically, it's one of the worst in America. And Devin Maccabee's been running the ball well. Feed him early and often. Get Dylan Downing. Get Kobe Lewis involved if needed. But make Northwestern stop the run. They haven't stopped good running backs at all this year. And I'm not saying that Purdue's running game is 2009 Alabama, but get Maccabee the ball. Make them load up to stop the run. And then once you get them with eight in the box, that's when you can hit them with some play action and see if you can take those shots downfield to Charlie Jones. Get a shot across the middle to Payne Durham. See what you can do there. But make them stop the run first. Make them sell out to do it. Looking at a prediction for this game, 19's a big number. 
I think Purdue more than certainly can cover it, but man, I'm going to go with 30 to 14 Purdue wins. It's just not a good Northwestern team. The weather doesn't favor Purdue. There's a lot on the line here though. Uh, you know, number one, it's senior day and there are a lot of guys on this Purdue roster who are going to be playing their last game at Ross aid really going to be missed next year. Guys who have done quite a bit for this program. This is an interesting senior class. You know, you look at 2019 when a lot of these guys were forced into early action, probably before they were ready, a season that didn't go well for Purdue, nor did 2020. But you look at what they've done the last two years with so many of these guys playing key roles. I mean, I'm I've got some names here, and it's not even close to all of them. But, I mean, Aiden O'Connell, Charlie Jones for one year has been a godsend. Payne Durham, Eric Miller, Lawrence Johnson, Branson Dean, Jalen Graham, Corey Trice, Cam Allen. A lot of these guys have been mainstays over the past three or four years. Guys who have grown up in this program under Jeff Brom and guys who have been really, really good players for Purdue. This is going to be their last one. I think they'll come out with plenty of motivation. We know the situation in the Big Ten West. It is no secret. It is a situation where Purdue needs to win out. They have to beat Northwestern. They have to beat Indiana. And they need Iowa to lose one of its final two games. The Hawkeyes are a slight underdog at Minnesota this weekend. And then Iowa hosts Nebraska on Black Friday to end the season. A translation there, Purdue needs Iowa to lose this weekend because I don't think they are going to lose to Nebraska. None of that matters, of course, if Purdue can't beat a bad Northwestern team. That leads us right into our first question in the Q&A. Does Minnesota beat Iowa? That's what we all want to know. I wish I had an answer to that. That's a close spread, and I could make some money if I knew the answer to that. But gun to my head here, I'm going to say Iowa wins. This is just the type of game that Kirk Ferentz teams tend to win. Um, Now, you know, last year, Minnesota played spoiler in the Big Ten West race themselves. Wisconsin just needed to beat Minnesota to get to Indianapolis. Minnesota won that game. Can they do it again this year? They certainly could. Uh, Is Tanner Morgan going to play for Minnesota? Uh, He's questionable. He didn't play last week. Look, if they can't throw the ball, whether it's Morgan or it's the backup, I got a tough time seeing it happen. Even if Tanner Morgan's in there and healthy, I'm going to lean with the Hawkeyes on Saturday. Unfortunately, uh, it would be big time if they can drop it and Purdue goes can win the game on Saturday and go to Bloomington with a chance to win the Big Ten West. For Purdue, which loss has hurt more to this point, Garrett Miller or Milton Wright? I'm going Milton Wright without a doubt here. Uh, Look, and that's not to take anything away from Garrett Miller. I think it would have been really fun to see what Purdue could have done with two really good tight ends on this team. That would have been a lot of fun. But... You know, you're really projecting what Purdue could do with two tight end personnel. You see it a little bit, but you don't see much of it right now. 
that's more of a projection. You know how much Purdue relies on dynamic receivers, and you've seen that become a massive story this year that Purdue doesn't have a real consistent threat outside of Charlie Jones from the receiver position. TJ Sheffield's had some really good games, but he's you know kind of more of a slot guy. Um, in all reality, he's being asked to play outside, but he's more of a slot guy. I think Milton Wright was poised to have a massive year. You look at that, you know, you look at the target share that went to David Bell last year, that's gone to Charlie Jones this year. Milton Wright might've gotten that. He would have gotten a ton of targets. That's for sure. And he's a good receiver. Uh, it, it's a bummer what happened there because he and Charlie Jones could have been a very good one-two receiver combo that could have been lethal Uh, I think the outlook on this team changes if you have another receiver of that caliber so that's a real bummer I'm going to absolutely say that Milton Wright was the bigger loss not to say that Garrett Miller wasn't and my answer to this would change if Payne Durham had gotten hurt this year. Uh, He's certainly battled through quite a bit. Uh, He's been banged up with plenty, but he's gotten every Saturday. If Purdue didn't have Payne Durham, then I think Garrett Miller becomes that answer. But Payne Durham's been good. He's been able. He's been healthy. That's helped offset that loss a lot. Would 8-4 and four be considered a successful season if Purdue does not make the Big Ten championship game, or would you consider it a letdown with the opportunities Purdue has had? It is absolutely a successful season. Look, if you look at the quality of play that's been on the field this year, I don't know that this team is as good as I thought they would be. Coming into the season, coming into the preseason, I don't think they've been as good as I thought they were going to be. Now, their record is right in line with what I thought it would be. But I don't know that the team has been as good as I thought. Purdue's absolutely missed some opportunities, and you are absolutely right to point those out. You know, they had a real chance to beat Penn State. Penn State's on their way to a 10-2 and season, and they've looked good doing it. They gave Ohio State all they could handle. Of course, you had that loss at Syracuse. An incredible disappointment. One of the more disappointing outcomes from a Purdue game I've seen in a while. Iowa, Wisconsin, you weren't close in those games. But on the flip side, this season absolutely could have gone off the rails. What if Florida Atlantic doesn't fumble that quarterback sneak? You know, Sanusi Kane recovered it and all was good. Well, all was okay because Purdue survived that game. What if they got that first down and continue on that drive? Purdue's defense wasn't good that day. Do the Owls score? Does Purdue lose to a Conference USA team? What about those trips to Minneapolis and College Park? That tipped ball that should have been a touchdown that Cam Allen intercepted in Minneapolis? What if that goes the other way? Uh, Purdue over in Maryland. What if that goes the other way? What if Purdue doesn't pull that one out? What if Purdue doesn't convert that fourth down late against Nebraska? They weren't getting another stop in that game. This season could have gone in a whole opposite direction for the worse. And I think when you look at it, it all kind of has evened out to Purdue being 6-4 and 
with two games left that they should win. It's been a decent year. I think it's been a good year. And I think Brock Spack's famous words still ring true. He said it after the 2006 season, and he was absolutely right. If it wasn't proven true from what happened from 2007 to 2017, I don't know what to tell you. He said, if you're getting tired of winning eight games at Purdue, then we're in some serious trouble. He's right. He's absolutely right. It's tough to do better than that at Purdue. So I think those words are extremely applicable to this situation, and I don't think it's a disappointment at all. Last football question here before we get into hoops. Do you think any Purdue player might opt out of the bowl game? Yeah, it's absolutely a possibility. Um, I, I think it, personally, I think it should be considered by anyone who considers themselves to be a draft pick or who is viewed as a draft pick. I don't love the trend. I certainly don't think it's good for college football, but I can't sit here and blame anyone who considers it or goes through with it. There aren't any high-end draft picks on this team like a George Karlaftis from last year, like a David Bell from last year. But, you know, if guys like Jalen Graham or Corey Trice or Charlie Jones hear that, you know, it's probably in your best interest to sit out, I can't blame them if they do that. At the end of the day, there's only so much that can be gained for them to go out there. And there's a whole lot that can be lost. So I would absolutely think that Purdue has at least one player opt out. I'm not going to put money on who would it, who it would be by any means, but I think someone will opt out. Basketball time. Purdue 75, Marquette 70. That one was really fun. Uh, that was an awesome win for a really young team. Quite a bit of resiliency there. Uh, Purdue was really tested in that game. They had some turnovers early on. Then they clawed back. Uh, Marquette took a big second-half lead, and Purdue fought right back, went on a run, and it propelled them to victory. When Marquette went on that run, I really didn't think Purdue was going to win that game. I, I really didn't. I don't know how good Marquette is or how good they're not, but winning that game is an awesome boost of confidence for Purdue. Um, you know, this is a game where I think if Purdue plays this game in January, Purdue wins pretty comfortably. But in November, with how young this team is, boy, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect coming in. And, you know, when Purdue went on that run late, I think you saw a team that has a whole lot of fight to them a team that's really competitive, and that is headlined by their freshman point guard. I can't say enough good things about Braden Smith. I said it last week. I'm saying it again this week. It's going to take everything I have to not rename this podcast Braden Smith and Beyond because he is so much fun to watch. He is special. You know, for how under-recruited he was, uh, Purdue being his only high major offer, man, he is very good. What he did down the stretch of that game, Purdue hasn't seen a point guard like that in some time. And really, you know, to take over that game, 
for a true freshman in his third Division One game, you don't see that happen. Uh, he was incredible, incredible scoring the ball, incredible facilitating the ball. He handled that game so well. A very pressure-packed moment uh, late in that game. After Marquette went up, I think they were up nine. Braden Smith didn't flinch. I can't say enough about the performance he put on. I think David Jenkins Jr. looks like a really good addition to this point. I wanted to be hesitant with him early on because, you know, I remember early on in 2019-2020, Jihad Proctor looked good in the non-conference, especially in some of those bye games. But as Big Ten came along, he didn't really do much. I don't think David Jenkins Jr. is that type of guy. I think he's a better shooter. And I think his game is just a little bit more translatable to the Big Ten. He looks like an awesome addition, both from a ball handling perspective and from a scoring perspective. Purdue's going to need someone to handle the ball when Braden Smith's out of the game. David Jenkins Jr. looked like that type of player yesterday. I thought he looked really comfortable with the ball in his hands. Uh, knocked down some nice shots. He was... You know, yet led the game in plus minus. He was really good. It was obvious from the start that Shaka Smart really wanted to limit what Zach Eady could do. Uh, they had all sorts of different approaches there. You know, they tried to front him really good. They tried to double on the catch. They certainly were doubling on the bounce. Hell, they had guys really, you know, sagging in on him to try to make him get the ball out of his hands. And they did a pretty nice job of that in the first half. But Purdue ran a lot of stuff to get him one-on-one matchups early in the second half. That went well. He rebounded well. Finished the game with 20 points, 13 boards. Uh, Quite the day for Zach Eady. He's off to a really good start, uh, especially these last two games. He's been excellent. I think on the defensive end, it's still a work in progress. Uh, Purdue's guards are not not necessarily great on defense yet. Uh, they've got a ways to go. Marquette is a tough challenge. You know, they uh, they really got lost at times. Marquette did a nice job of moving the ball around. You've got some freshman guards. You have some guards who aren't great on defense. Uh Brandon Newman still struggled a little bit there. He's been really good on the offensive end, had a great rebounding game, but he struggled on defense a bit. I thought it was really impressive to see Brian Waddell come in and really be the only guy who could slow down David Joplin. He got really hot. Waddell cooled him off. And then at the end of the game, I did not expect to see Brian Waddell and, uh, Fletcher Lawyer going defense offense late in the game, but it worked. Uh, it absolutely worked. Waddell gave up a really tough three uh, in the corner there to Joplin. And then I don't know what happened on that continuation that gave Marquette three shots at the line. Questionable at best, but, you know, so be it. Waddell had a nice game defensively, still trying to get in rhythm offensively. No doubt about that there. Um, there's still a lot of growth to go for this team. They're by no means a finished product. They're not close. 
I saw this, and I I guess it's true, I, I don't know, that Purdue's the only power conference program to be starting true, two true freshmen in their backcourt. If that's the case, that's pretty crazy. They look the part, though. Both of those guys look the part. And what Purdue has here is a really nice foundation, and what you're going to see them do is grow, grow, grow throughout the season. There are going to be highs. There are going to be lows. Don't worry about that. I still think Purdue's going to lose a game it has no business losing at some point early on in this season. There are going to be highs and lows for Braden Smith. There are going to be freshman moments there. Same deal for Fletcher Lawyer. You know, he missed the front end of two or three one-and-ones yesterday. I think the front end of two one-and-ones, that's not like him. But again, He's never shot free throws in that type of an environment either. Uh, This team still has to come together. They still have to figure out rotations a little bit. I think at this point, Camden Heidi is a very obvious red shirt. I don't know where those minutes would come. Uh, There's not been a decision made there yet, but of course, Purdue has held him out to preserve that option. I think he looks like an obvious red shirt. At the end of the day, that was a phenomenal win. You can't say enough about Purdue finding a way to tough that one out. That's a game that last year's team would not have won. Purdue got enough stops down the stretch to give them a chance to flip that game. And that's ultimately what they did. Braden Smith took it over, and Purdue won that game. They now go, uh, they have a week off, basically, before they go out to Portland for PK-85. Out there, Purdue will face some really good competition. And you're going to learn a lot about them three games in four days. And I'll have a little more of that here in a moment because we had a very good question about Zach Eady's usage and production, uh, saying it's very high right now. He's been really good, but you have Big Ten play, increased competition coming up. Who needs to step up in that spot to help Purdue maintain their offensive efficiency and I think the main thing with Edie, his usage rate's going to be incredibly high. I, I'm not surprised by that. But the last two games, he played 30 minutes against Austin P, and he played 33 minutes last night against Marquette. If you ask me, that is probably not sustainable. I don't think you're getting that many minutes out of him this year. I don't think that's going to be something that is a regular and you have three games in four days at PK-85, it's going to become an issue then. He can't be playing 30 minutes then. And you look at that combination of Caleb First and Trey Kaufman-Wren for that production. What we've seen so far, Kaufman-Wren's a legit low-post scorer. Uh, When he gets in one-on-one matchups there, he can do some really good stuff. Now, he's not a 7-2 giant that Purdue has had recently, that if they're doubled, they can sometimes score over the guy. That's not going to be Trey Kaufman's game, but if you can isolate him one-on-one, he can do some nice things. I think Caleb First is more of that five-out type of center, but you saw some of the value he brings, like that uh, dunk off of the cut late in the game yesterday. Now, he hasn't shot the three ball well. I know that there's a lot of confidence that he's going to shoot the three ball well. Time will tell there. Uh, He's certainly getting some good looks. They're just not going down. 
and the two he took against Marquette really weren't close. But, you know, I I, I think that's where that production is going to come from. You're not going to replicate Zach Eady. You're not going to replicate how efficient he is. But I think you can do some really interesting things with him off the floor. That's going to start out in Portland. We'll have plenty more on that next week. Uh, but for today, that's all I have. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for spending some time with me. Sunday, we'll be back here to recap Purdue versus Northwestern. We'll see what the outlook is like for Purdue football as it pertains to the Big Ten West. We will have a full recap episode. And then next week, we'll preview the Old Oak and Bucket matchup as well as Purdue's trip out to Portland for PK85. Follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss anything. Until next time, guys, bundle up, stay warm, stay safe if you're coming up here on Saturday, and I will talk to you on Sunday.